And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hi. Hello there. Hi. That wasn't as uh, as thoughtful. I was trying to think of something witty to say, and it didn't work. So I, I went with hi. Do you want to do it again? No. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, I thought you said... I'm all right, Spider. <laughs> I am all right. You're not all right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Good. I had a panic attack last night. It was really scary. Oh, no. I was just playing a video game, and then I... I don't know if you've ever had, like, a CT scan, and they inject you full of weird liquid, and then it feels like you got to pee yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what happened last night, and I just felt like my heart just, like, explode, and I just dropped to the ground and just laid there until I felt better. It was crazy. Other Jesus. than that, I'm fine. Thank you. Damn, I'm sorry, man. I don't like that. I got better. (laughs) We're all right. We can laugh about it now. (laughs) But it was definitely scary. Jesus, I swear to God, I'm going to slit his fucking throat. (laughs) 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 While he sleeps. Oh, Jesus. Uh, What video game were you playing? Maybe that's the reason. Uh, What was I playing? Dark Souls, probably. (laughs) No, 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 no. I don't even remember. It wasn't anything. Monster Hunter. No, it wasn't even that. It was... um, just some little like indie game that was on Steam. Oh. Uh, I don't remember what it was called. I was waiting for something else to download, so I was just kind of Titan Souls, I think it's called. Oh, um, no big deal. It's just like a little like one hit and you're dead kind of game, and mm-hmm. so it's got to be kind of quick. But I mean, I was talking to to Alex when it happened. I was like, we were just I don't know, we were talking about like, Scotty Pippen or something. I don't know. I forget. We we're talking about basketball, I think. And then all of a sudden, I just got really like scared, and I just like had a freak out. Dropped to the ground. Crazy. I know, right? I'm sorry. That's well, fine. I'm good now. Cool. Well, I'm glad because no I like because I like talking to you when you're good and when you're bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that old chestnut. How have you been? Um, I, I'm good, man. Uh, nothing. I, I, I can't complain too much. Um, I don't really know. It's been kind of boring. The weather hasn't been super nice, but uh, I don't know. I've been watching some OK movies lately. Took, took some of your recommendations. <laughs> what did I recommend? Uh, so I watched True Romance finally. Oh yeah, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, I really liked the music when they were. It was like their theme song, you know. I, I don't know yeah. how dun, it goes. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really morbid, but it was good. Um, and then um, I watched. Um, <laughs> you right? are the one that wanted me to drive fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I love that movie. Hi, oh, this is Elliot. And uh, I'm selling uncut cocaine to get to the jamboree. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, it's really gory. Um, and then I watched uh, Shrek. Um, that was excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like Shrek. That movie's funny. I haven't seen it in, in quite a while. Um, I don't care. I was born outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I watched So I Married an Axe Murderer. Um, and that was, uh, I don't know. Have you seen that? Sorry, Married in Yeah, I saw, I saw the drive-in. Yeah. Long, so long time ago. I was on a Mike Myers kick for some reason after I watched that. So that was great. Um, Mortal Kombat. I watched the 
HBO Max one, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. It was really fun. It was a horrible movie, but I really enjoyed the shit out of it. So, and then um, from there, I was on a Mortal Kombat kick, and I I listened to the Geek Legacy podcast, and I decided to watch uh, Mortal Kombat Nine cutscenes. It was about a two hour YouTube video of all the cutscenes from MK Nine, and it was cool. Um, and now I need to start MK Ten after that because I don't I don't I don't I don't like to play fighting games too much, but. But yeah, it was cool, man. Sounds cool. I know. What did you watch? Oh, I watched all kinds of shit. Friday alone, I had like this little marathon. I was done with work a little early, so I watched Mortal Kombat. Then I watched uh, Heartbreak Kid. Then Ford versus Ferrari because I was in a racing mood on account of watching Rush the, like the day before. And then I watched Alice in Wonderland, which is like my favorite movie ever. And I like well, one of my favorite animated movies anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the book, and I can't wait to read the book to a child one day. And um, Jurassic Park, which I fell asleep in like the last like I don't know fifteen minutes of the movie, <laughs> but I think I was just tired. Cool. Yeah, yeah Jurassic Park is a classic. I... Oh, so good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Which Alice in Wonderland did you say it was? Like the 1951 animated Disney movie. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, God, I haven't seen that one in a really long time. Yeah, it's like it's like seventy five minutes. <laughs> it's quick. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Sweet. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, are you ready to talk about the motion picture show? Yes, sir. All right. So we are going to be doing Rush from 2013, which is streaming on Netflix. That is how I watched it. I'm assuming that is how you watched it. It is directed by Ron Howard, who you might know from uh, A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13, The Da Vinci Code, Cinderella Man. Backdraft, Willow, Parenthood, Cocoon, <laughs> fucking his whole IMDb page. <laughs> and then uh, the film was written by Peter Morgan, who did The Queen, uh, Frost Nixon, and Zach's personal favorite, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, God. <laughs> All-time favorite movie. I love it. <laughs> Grew a mustache after watching it. Exactly. Yeah. Went to the, went to the barber and said, give me the mercury there. <laughs> Give me the Freddy. <laughs> I like it. The film stars Chris Helmsworth, Daniel Brühl, Olivia Wilde, Alexandra Maria Lara, and Pierre Francisco Favino. Favino. <laughs> no, Framacho. That's, that's no cheese in Italiano. <laughs> there you go. For those of you that aren't in the know. Bit of a renaissance man. I know how to say no cheese in several different languages on account of me being worldly and all. <laughs> you know. You're, so, cult- you're so cultured. <laughs> right? I know. It's incredible. I have a hat that says I'm cultured. It's pretty sweet. So this movie did pretty good as far as critical reception goes. It is standing at a whopping 89% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there. And uh, that's not too shabby. Uh, I should mention it has a runtime of two hours and three minutes. So if you have something to do uh, within two hours, then, you know, you're going to want to wait until you have two hours to watch it. (laughs) throwing that out there. Now, Candace Frederick from Real Talk Online says, while it has its moments of sentimentality, the film as a whole is rather shallow and fails to capture the soul of either man. Giving it a C. Yikes. Yikes. No like. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's hard to capture the soul of either man in a two-hour and two-minute movie. That's true. So Sometimes it's hard. 
Well, you gotta split it. Which is hard. Uh, having two starring roles in a movie, uh, you know, the t- time is divided. Which is interesting to think about. A lot of times the star of the movie is in every single scene. That's not the case in this movie. So, something to think about. Let's see. Let's, what do we got? Moving on, moving on. I thought I had some fun ones here. Scott and I from Battleship Pretension says, Make no mistake about it, this is a Ron Howard film in every single way that counts. It's unapologetically upfront about its character motivations and conflicts. How about that? Yeah. And then Carla Renata from the Curvy Film Critic. Ooh, I like that. Ron Howard directs a high-octane, in-your-face film about two racers at the height of the Formula One racing era. Hemsworth and Brule give the performances of their career. Wow. So there you have it. And then the budget was $38 million, which isn't a lot. It seems kind of kind of low. <laughs> I know. Especially for all they did. Right. <laughs> Opening weekend, it did... Uh, what is that? Just $187,000? Looks like it, yeah. Okay, and that was on September 22nd of 2013. And it grossed the United States at $26.9 million, And then worldwide, you're looking at $96.9 million. So much better overseas than it did here in the United States. Racing movies are a tough crowd, I suppose. Well, a lot of that, too, because Formula One is is probably more uh, popular in like Europe. 100%. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's a tough crowd because the... They're going to be the purest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when you got to impress someone that lives and breathes racing, that might be hard to do, especially since there isn't a whole lot of racing in this racing movie. Right. It's more about people than it is cars or drivers. <laughs> hey, Ashol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so in an interview with Austrian Times on the occasion of of his 60th, ber- 60th birthday, Nikki Lauda stated that a journalist asking him how his injured face affected his marriage was the, was the biggest insult he had to suffer in his life. And that was a pretty intense scene. That uh, reporter was a dick by asking that question. Yeah. Who does that? I know. A dick. Who throws a shoe? <laughs> honestly. Uh, when Nikki Lauda first saw Rush, he said, shit, that's really me. Wow. Daniel Brühl and Nikki Lauda became good friends. Lauda even flew the actor to the Sao Paulo Grand Prix in his private jet, which he piloted himself. How about that? I don't know. And despite having to bend the truth in some areas, the film was warmly received by the most discerning critics, namely the Formula One industry. When Rush was pre-release, when Rush was pre-release screened at the German Grand Prix in July 2013, the audience comprised a group of F1 drivers team bosses, and British motorsports magnate Bernie Ecclestone. Director Ron Howard declared that the experience was his toughest reality test since screening his Apollo 13 in 1995 for NASA's astronauts and mission controllers. Nevertheless, Rush received a standing ovation. Right on. Good job, Ron Howard. Although this makes much of the rivalry between James Hunt and Nikki Lauda, um, in reality, the two were very good friends and even shared a flat together at one point in their careers. So that's a nice way to uh, end the end the trivia on a happy note. So. Yeah, that's the thing about rivalries. I mean, I feel like uh, it's more of a, a friendly rivalry than like oh, I'm gonna kick his ass and sleep with his wife and burn his house down kind of thing. I, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a really cool photo online of the two of them where um, James is inside Nikki Lauda's car, and the whole team is like, 
laughing and then Mickey's just like grabbing on his shirt like trying to get him the hell out of his car. It's really funny. Go on, get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then James is like, what? What do you want from me? Just cruising around in your car. No big deal. It's really yeah. funny. Yeah. All right, so uh, for anyone who has not seen it, here is a synopsis. James Hunt and Nicky Lauda are exceptional racing car drivers who first developed a fierce rival- rivalry in 1970 at a Formula 3 race in London when both their cars spin before Hunt wins the race. Hunt is a brash and self-confident individual, while Lauda is a cool and calculating technical genius who relies on practice and precision. Lauda takes a large bank loan from Austria's Rafeson Bank. The Iron Bank. (laughs) There you go, yeah. (laughs) To buy his way into the BRM Formula One team. Meeting teammate Clay Regazzoni. Uh, I always say that. Rigatoni. <laughs> Clay Formaggio um, for the first time. <laughs> no, Formaggio. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hesketh Racing, the fledgling racing team Hunt drives for, enters Formula One. Lauda then joins Scuderia Ferrari with uh, Regazzoni and wins his first championship in 1975. Hesketh closes down after failing to secure a sponsor, but Hunt joins the McLaren team. During this time, Hunt marries supermodel Susie Miller. While Lauda develops a relationship with German socialite Marlene Naus. The 1976 season starts with the with Lauda dominating the first two races, while Hunt struggles to catch up. Hunt wins the Spanish Grand Prix, but is disqualified after a post-race inspection rules that his car is fractionally too wide. Struggling to comply with F1 rules, McLaren suffers a series of racing setbacks, and Hunt's situation is further exasperated when Susie starts a relationship with actor Richard Burton. Following his divorce, Hunt regains his competitive spirit and, when his disqualification in Spain is overturned, the points put him into championship contention. Lauda marries Marlene in a private ceremony, but begins to have concerns about the effects of his newfound happiness, worrying that he has become vulnerable as a racer as he now has something to lose. At the German Grand Prix, Lauda urges the F1 committee to cancel the race due to heavy rain on the ready on the already notorious dangerous Nürburgring Nordschliff. Yeah, Nürburgring, yeah. <laughs> Nürburgring Nordschleff? I'm bad. Uh, At a driver's meeting on race day, Hunt argues that Lauda is trying to benefit by having one less race in the season, and the drivers vote to race. Most drivers start the race with wet weather tires, which become a costly tactic due to most of the track quickly drying. They all change tires during the second lap, but on the third lap, a suspension arm in Lauda's Ferrari breaks, sending the car flying into an embankment, then bursting into flames. Lauda is airlifted to uh, hospital with third-degree burns to his head and face and internal burns to his lungs. For six weeks, Lauda is treated for his injuries while he watches Hunt dominate the races in his absence. Despite his doctor's orders, he decides to return to drive his Ferrari at the Italian Grand Prix, finishing fourth while Hunt fails to finish. The 1976 season comes to a climax at the rain-soaked Japanese Grand Prix. Hunt's late rally in Lauda's absence has pulled him within three points of Lauda. At the end of the second lap, after his car has slid several times, excuse me, Lauda returns to the pits and decides to retire from the race, considering it too dangerous and opting to stay with Marlene instead. This gives Hunt a chance to win the championship if he can finish third or better. After facing stiff competition under grueling conditions, tire problems, and a hand injury due to the gear shifter knob breaking, Hunt finishes third, winning the championship by a single point. Hunt spends the rest of the year reveling with fame, sex, and drugs, Wait, sex and drugs. While Lauda takes an interest together in f- at the same time, <laughs> same time. While Lauda takes an interest in flying private planes at a private airfield in uh, Bologna, 
uh, Lauda suggests to Hunt that he focuses on the next racing season to defend his title. But Hunt argues that his glamorous lifestyle is the most enjoyable part of being a world champion. Lauda later on realizes that Hunt no longer feels he needs to prove himself to anyone. Hunt continues to race until his retirement in 1979 and becomes a motorsport broadcast commentator until his death in 1993 at the age of 45. Lauda reflects on how their great rivalry and personality differences spurred each other on to their finest achievements and states that Hunt was the only other driver that he ever envied. And that is San Francisco Rush from the Nintendo 64. <laughs> yeah, Rush. <laughs> I used to play the shit out of that game. I love it. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, when did you first see this movie, Justin? I saw it on opening weekend. Wow. In 2013. Where uh, where were you? What theater? Uh, it was, you know what? I actually had to go to the one in Woodenville. I was living in Redmond at the time, and it was playing at an AMC in Woodenville over by the Red Robin there. Ooh, I don't mind that. Uh, I've, I've been there before. I don't mind that theater. It's not too bad. Their Coke tastes weird. I think they're... I think their little fizzometer is, is off. <laughs> I think we were talking about this about on a different podcast about the Coke tasting weird, too. Yeah. It's only that know. theater. I hate it. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Get the, get the Sprite. The Coke does not taste very good. That's funny. Okay. Well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, this was the first time I saw this movie. And uh, we were talking about it on Discord. Uh, I, I think you mentioned it. And it was funny. It was like you were reading my mind because I was thinking about this movie uh, because like a random stat popped in my head on it or something. And and then I'm like, oh, my God, that would be perfect to do because I had never seen it before. So, Sweet. yes, yesterday was the first time I had seen it since its inception date. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so and, you know, despite seeming absurd, Rush is actually a sports biopic slash true story. Did you know anything about Nikki Lauda and James Hunt before you saw the movie back in 2013? Uh, and then did you do any research after the movie? Uh, yeah, so I come from a, a family of race car drivers, and so uh, Formula One's pretty popular in our family and just motorsports in general. And so uh, as a kid, I remember hearing tales of these two and uh, just being a race fan in general. Uh, it's always been something that I've known about. Um, but you bet your ass after I watched the movie, I went ahead and read up all about them because, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spoil anything. I mean, I knew that Nikki Lada was in that accident. That racetrack is famous for being terrible and it's just like obsolete and the cars just kept going faster and faster. It's fine when the cars were going a lot slower, but once technology is, is far superior than the racetrack, then it becomes a problem. And so, um, definitely it was a famous racetrack and, uh, that was how I knew about it. But uh, as soon as I got home and thank God the Internet was a thing. And I was able to Wikipedia and just read a bunch of different articles and watch YouTube videos and things of that nature. Right. Um, so I actually am not like a I wouldn't say I'm not a racing fan. I just never really grew up knowing it. So I didn't know who who a Nikki Lauda was or what a James Hunt was. So right. Isn't he the guy in Mission Impossible. I mean, aren't, isn't it Thor and Zemo in this movie? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Thor or, and Ethan Hunt. Or Zoller and uh, the guy from freaking Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> oh, yeah. He doesn't make it. Spoiler alert. Or Kirk. Kirk. Uh, whatever his name is from Cameron. Star Trek's dad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> James T. Kirk's dad. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So I didn't have I, I didn't know anything about their history. And so it was really cool going into this movie, a blank slate. And I think you even told me, you're like, blank yeah, slate, blank slate. You're like, don't research anything. Just go into it. And I'm like, OK, that worked. And I really enjoyed it. 
it was really, really great. I mean, I think that uh, Chris Hemsworth definitely felt typecast like he played himself almost. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing, but it just it was funny. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but it, it's it's like I felt like that role was 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 meant for him. Same sure, thing with like Daniel at the beginning Brewer. when he's like introducing the woman, he's like, "This is Nursey." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even call her by her name; she just keeps correcting him. And how he's about like, Natalie Natalie Dormer for just that small role? That was yeah, interesting. She was Nursey. Yeah, I know she was Nursey. <laughs> <laughs> Nursey, this is Bubbles. <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, I um I really didn't know much about it. I tried researching a little more on it, uh, but I just wanted to watch YouTube videos and there weren't that many. There were some articles and stuff, and I think there was a BBC documentary, but I couldn't find like a good enough quality one. Um but I I I always like in in true story films at the end of the movie when they show like the real you know um characters or the real people so that way you can kind of compare. And they did a really good job of casting in this and with the makeup and everything it, uh, it had a good feel for it. So maybe that's why I got a standing innovation too. Yeah. That's but, great. um, yeah, but to follow up on that. So do you think it helps going into films like this with no knowledge of the true story at all? Kind of like how I did, or do you think a, a viewer should know, should know at least a little bit about the true events? And, and the best example I can think of is once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, a lot of people were kind of bummed because they're like, wait a minute, what, who's Sharon Tate? What's going on with this? And Tarantino kind of came out and said, it's not my job to teach you history. So, I mean, do you do you think my approach of going in clean slate was good or should I know a little bit more? I think it's always best to to go in not knowing anything because, I mean, you didn't know if Nicky Lotta was going to die in that fiery crash. That's true. Um, so, I mean, I think it's I think for for drama, it's better to not know. I mean, if you're going to watch a movie on, let's say, like JFK, right? I mean, that's that's Oliver Stone's depiction of what happened on November 22nd, 1963, and then the years following that. So, I mean, it's it's a fun tale. But I mean, you do know that John F. Kennedy was president and that he was assassinated. And that's pretty much all you need to know going into it. Yeah. And then, you know, once the movie's over, you can come up with your own conclusions and everything. But I think that movies where you don't know, like Ford versus Ferrari, it's another one that just came out. If you had no idea who Ken Miles was or Carol Shelby and you're watching this race, you don't know how it's going to end. And I think that's way better for just entertainment's sake to go in blind. Yeah, I had a fantastic time watching Ford v. Ferrari. I, I absolutely loved that movie and I didn't know a thing about either of those guys. Right. And, th- and so these are both two racing movies that came out within the last decade of each other. And what's interesting about the two of them is that they both involve rivalries, but one is about cars. Like Ford versus Ferrari is is strictly the rivalry between two car manufacturers and who is better. And so you get a lot of car talk and gearhead talk, and you they're throwing they throw terms at you, but in a way where you don't feel like an idiot. You know, they talk about things, they explain things because the executives in charge don't know a goddamn thing about racing, so they got to be. You know, they got to hold their hand. And a lot of times I felt like we were that way, too. Yeah. And I think that's good for the audience, because if you just start throwing out things like camber and loose and tight and wedge and 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 things like that, then people are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So (laughs) it's way better when it's dumbed down in a way for everyone to understand. And I think that Ford v. Ferrari did a really good job on that. Whereas in this movie, the cars are an afterthought and it's more about the drivers, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, I I really did like the mix of it. You're, you're correct. There were a lot of weird cuts um, and 
the editing was interesting, but there wasn't as much racing as as you would think would be. So that was kind of cool because this movie at the at the core was about the two drivers and their their immense or their intense rivalry. So, right. And, it, yeah. and it's really hard to to show how a, a driver is perceiving things when you're going that fast and it be on film. I mean, they they are low to their six inches from the ground at the most. And it's a bumpy ride and they're going 150 miles an hour. And then they got to slam on their brakes to hit these turns. And it is just it's like the ultimate GoPro footage. You know, something like <laughs> yeah. that didn't exist. Yeah. And it's really hard to make that work to where you're not getting sick. There's only a handful of human beings that are capable of driving at those speeds and being remarkable human beings and drivers to win these races. And there's a reason why there's only, you know, 30 people in a field because there's only a few people that can do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, one of my more favorite scenes was when uh, James Hunt is laying down on the ground and he has the steering wheel and he's closed his eyes and he's visualizing each turn at Monaco. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's when he meets Olivia Munn. Um, that's not her name. Olivia, Olivia Wilde. Wilde. But I, I just love that idea because they do that same kind of thing in Ford v. Ferrari where you just have to know your turns and how to do it. It's just like any athlete or, I mean, any job for that matter. You have to memorize certain aspects of it in order to complete it. You're like, okay, well, I, I go here and this is how I hit my golf club. You know, make sure open face, hands hands above the ball, come back, you know, turn your wrists, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's so interesting or like when you're trying to walk the, the, the golf course. Uh, so it was that was fun to add because it, it didn't, because I know that James Hunt was kind of like a wild card and everything, but it still showed that he he put in the time and effort for for the craft, right? You know, for the sport, they do that in cool runnings as well. Yeah, <laughs> in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monaco is actually my favorite track, so I really wish that they they raced on that track. But mm-hmm. you, don't really, you don't really get it, especially when I go through that tunnel. It's like my favorite part ever. Yeah, the uh, Monaco is probably one of the more famous, you know, racetracks in the world for Formula sure. One. Just because I so mean, if beautiful. I had a boat, I would just fucking park it right there on the water <laughs> yeah. and, and watch my race. But I don't happen to have billion dollars, so that's and I'm not really in the wrong demographic for that racetrack. I suppose yeah. you got to watch out for uh, Whiplash, though. He'll come onto the track and he'll he'll be like, "Where's my bird?" So. Right. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that racetrack too is like, uh, you know comparing different types of motorsports and, and racing in general, like, like NASCAR is a lot about just turning left. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are probably 19 turns at Monaco, 19 or 20 turns, and it takes well over a minute to, to do a complete circuit. And so, um, it's pretty, it's pretty nuts when you think about how long you're out there doing all these different turns, going through all these different, um, you know, straightaways and, and, and crazy hairpin turns and stuff versus just going 200 miles an hour, and turning left both are are, are hard yeah. but i i would never in a billion trillion years be able to do a racetrack like like monaco oh yeah it's pretty crazy stuff um but yeah so i want to talk about the actors you know you and i are both riding this high that is daniel brule uh we loved him as zemo in falcon and winter soldier most recently and then uh i think he was very excellent as frederick zoller in inglorious bastards just absolutely creepy and awesome in that one he has solidified, in my mind, he has solidified himself as a genuine, superb actor for this past decade. But what about Chris Hemsworth? Do you think he's also a legit great, great actor? I know I was speaking about him being a little typecast, but what are, what are your thoughts on him, on his uh, his greatness, I should say? Sure. I, I mean, I think he's a fantastic actor. I mean, 
in in Ghostbusters, he was just the funniest it's fucking so funny. man ever, dude. And then <laughs> and even go for like a sandwich, Thor, yeah. <laughs> and like Thor Ragnarok, he's so fucking like his comedic timing is amazing, and yeah. so I absolutely love him. And then so I mean, he can make me laugh. And then you know, one of my favorite scenes in in all of Marvel is when he gets to revisit his mom. And when he goes through the, the quantum realm and he's all of a sudden he's back in time and he gets to have that conversation with his mom and I'm like holding back tears. It's such a beautiful scene. And yeah. he's like, I'm totally from the future. <laughs> 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 it's so great. I, I fucking love him, dude. I think he's so awesome. And I, I love his work. I love supporting him. So I'll take all the Hemsworth I can get. Right. He is really good. And, and one of the most egregious errors, I think, in Avengers Endgame was not fleshing out his PTSD storyline because he clearly had PTSD. And I think that the Russos wanted to go with that, but they really cut it short. I mean, you know, and we see it on full display when he goes back um, to Asgard in that scene and he's having a really hard time when he's like, I'm having a panic attack. Um, and he he just keeps thinking that, you know, he's responsible for the snap, basically, he could have killed Thanos, but instead he just hit him in the chest. So he puts all the blame on himself. And I think it would have been really cool to see his acting chops at like full level at that point. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I, I do think that he is a legit great actor and I, I, I would love to watch him in anything. He's a he's a box office draw, but it's not just because he's he's a handsome man and he's built like a freaking Greek god. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'll pretty much watch anything he's in because you're right. He's very funny. And I think that he did a really good job of of putting emotion into this role, especially the scene when he defends Nikki when he beats the shit out of that reporter, because, you know, this whole movie, it's built up to their rivalry. And clearly he feels responsible for for Nikki's crash. And so in a silent way to make amends, he he beats up that reporter because he's like, what the fuck, bro? Like, why would you ask that question? It's just, yeah. uh, I mean, and I kind of, I kind of cheered a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you get him. You get him, James. It, yeah. It, it, that reporter pissed me out. But I, but I, <laughs> I really do like Chris Hemsworth a lot. I think he is oh, he's a, great. He's a badass. So. I like him um, in, you mentioned Star Trek earlier. And, um, you know, he's, he's Kirk's dad. And uh, there's that scene when Christopher Pike is talking to Kirk and he's like, now your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes. He saved 800 lives, including your mother's and yours. I dare you to do better. And I was like, fuck, I mean, that's a powerful line. It doesn't come from Hemsworth, but it's about him. And I'm just like, you know, he's fucking right, man. He was a badass. He's in the movie for like four minutes, but he, <laughs> but he saved all those people. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I thought it was great. And that was the first time I ever really remember seeing uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth. And I was yeah. like in 2000, whatever, eight or nine or whatever that was. And then he's like, of course, we all know who's in charge. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So good. Um, Yeah. But, you know, Justin, have you ever been so obsessed or so passionate about something that you knew you were just amazing at? Uh, Did you treat the situation kind of like Nikki did, where he was calculated with just this amazing eye for detail? And if so, how did everything go for you? Oh, man, I wish I was good at something. (laughs) But I'm, I'm not good at anything, dude. Yeah, you I'm, are I'm terrible. No, you're good, at, you're good at making me laugh. You're good at remembering things. You're good at uh, photography for toys. You're good at video games. Yeah, a lot of just, stuff. I'm okay. I'm Shut up. <laughs> Stop being modest. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, there's always way better people. But um, no, you know, I've never really been obsessed or, or passionate about something. Uh, it's I'm so like middle of the road i'm like a classic underachiever man and so 
I got in trouble a lot just because of that. Like no one ever really found a way to fuel my potential to be like amazing. <laughs> and so, so I'm kind of a uh, middle of the road, but I mean, I can appreciate that. I'm really good at remembering things. And I love riddles. I'm really good at, at figuring out riddles. That's what, that's something that I, I really like. Anytime there's a game where it involves riddles, then I, I'm, I'm pretty quick. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's pretty much it. I I, w- I wish I was like a fucking awesome race car driver or just good at a sport. You know, I, I like a lot of uh, non-team sports. You know, like you know, like boxing or uh, I don't want to say tennis. I like the idea of tennis more than I actually like it. But <laughs> um, and mo- excuse me, and motorsports. I mean, that's definitely a team effort because you know there's a crew and a, and a lot of people involved in making the magic happen. But it's way more fun talking about the driver than crewman number six who does this takes off the left wheel you know but um i i really wish i had an answer for you man but i'm i'm just not good i mean i would i would love to be like this amazing artist that could paint or sculpt or draw i see so many talented people with when it comes to just art and i'm and I'm so fucking jealous, dude. I am just green-eyed monster jealous over people that can draw or paint or sculpt. And I just, fuck, I hope I hope that my kids are amazing at art because uh, I am not. Yeah, but but you're good at many things, though. And and, and photography so. is an art. And, and, and I'm, making I'm not, people laugh is an art. Um, I have some couple of good pictures on the old uh, Polaroid there, but... That's that's about it, man. You have this amazing eye for detail in the sense of comedic timing and knowing what to say. And I am not like that because in my head it's funnier and then I try to word vomit and then it's not funny. But you are just very quick about references and calling things out. And that's why I laugh all the time because it's funny. So you're very, you're very good at that. No, it's, it's hilarious. It's like a guaranteed time to uh, to laugh or your money back sort of thing. Sure. So. <laughs> I mean, if, if I could do stand-up, I would do crowd work any day of the week, man. What's the deal with Mountain Dew? <laughs> <laughs> it's got that big mouth. I got a big mouth. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't know what... I mean, so like I, I definitely am obsessed with things too. Obsessed, obsessed is a strong word. I'm passionate about things, but mostly things in the outdoors. And so when I am, you know, I'm a clumsy ass person, I will stub my toe 1.5 times per day, pretty much on just random shit. But when I'm out in the woods or when I'm hiking or doing whatever, I am a deft motherfucker. I'm like Legolas when I'm out there. I'm running up Oliphants and I'm doing a whole bunch of backflips and everything. And I just do not fall, you know, knock on wood. But I I think that's kind of I had a, a Nicky Lauda moment for that. Like when they're in the car, when he meets Marlene and he's like, oh, you know, your fan belt is loose and, and your your front right tire is, is flat. I mean, I've definitely had those times when I'm cycling or when I'm um, outside hiking or paddleboarding or something that I kind of know the way that my body works and how the water works and what's going on, the, the direction of the wind. So I definitely have had moments like that. But um, that's my eye for detail. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. So the uh, the Hunt and Lauda rivalry, it's truly one of the best in sports history. Their story was des- uh, destined to be turned into a movie because it was just too good to be true. Nikki is the technical and precise driver, while Hunt was the bad boy wildcard. 
wild card. Can you think of any other great sports rivalries? And then what are your favorites? And I know, Justin, if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, you're going to put a boxing rivalry on there. Oh, man, you better believe it, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Buster Douglas. Oh, oh, man, no, I fucking love boxing. And, you know, one of the greatest ones was before I was even born, and that would be like Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Oh, yeah. And they fought three times uh, from like 71 to 75. And and Muhammad Ali was such an asshole to Joe so like i mean that had to be crazy to watch that build up and and that excitement and i'm I'm sad that i was not a part of it it's cool to rewatch and revisit but to to read about that sort of thing while it was happening would have been really cool so yeah uh more in my timeline would be uh manny pacquiao versus uh juan manuel marquez and these fuckers fought four times man in eight years and it was just incredible everyone knows who manny pacquiao is you know the the man's a total beast mode and and he made quick work of like oscar de la hoya and and it was sad and depressing for de la hoya fans that day but the (laughs) the fight between pacquiao and marquez uh i mean all four of them were fucking incredible dude so in 2004 um it was a draw and and then in 2008 on their second fight pacquiao won and then their third fight was in 2011 pacquiao won again and then their fourth fight was in 2012 and and it was all of them were totally brutal, but this one was particularly gnarly because Pacquiao went down in the third, and then Marquez went down in the fifth, and then in the closing seconds of the sixth round, it was Pacquiao that just got fucking knocked the fuck out, and um, <laughs> yeah, like just totally dropped like a rock, and he was out for a few minutes, so everyone was really scared, and um, I mean it had to be just this incredible feeling for for Marquez to to basically you know, put down the guy that has been like the, the fighter for, you know, the last decade. And I mean, he, the dude hadn't been knocked down and, or at least knocked out in well over a decade. So that had to be kind of cool and, and a good feeling for him. But, um, fuck man, boxing's just, just incredible when it comes to rivalries. And then I'd be a motorsports fan. Um, you know, I, I was all about NASCAR when, when I was growing up and, uh, one of the one of the pinnacles of, of of fights in NASCAR was in the 1979 Daytona 500, and in the closing laps, it was Donnie Allison was in first and Kale Yarbrough was in second, and the two of them wreck on the final lap on the backstretch, and then Richard Petty actually won the race, and he was like fucking a half a lap behind, so he wasn't even in the picture, but because oh, first and second wreck, <laughs> like the dude that's that's just literally a mile away ends up winning. Boy. See ya. Yeah, it's like, hey, see ya. <laughs> and, um, and what's funny is the two of these guys, you know, Donnie and Kale, get out of their car and they start yelling at each other. Well, fucking Donnie Allison, he's got a brother named Bobby who he's he's already a lap or two behind. So he just pulls up where the wreck is and he's like trying to go and pick up his brother. He's like, hey, bro, hop on in. I'll take you to, you know, the start finish line kind of thing. And then Kelly Yarbrough's like, fuck you, man. And he like hits, he hits Bobby while he's in the driver's seat with his helmet. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, get out of the car kind of thing. So then Bobby gets out and he's like, yo, what the hell are you doing? So then um, he punches Kale in the face and then uh, Donnie grabs him and he's like, you can't hit my brother, you know? And so then they turn into fucking Dukes of Hazard, and all three of them are just beating the shit out of each other and kicking and screaming and yelling. Meanwhile, other cars are just driving by and then like Richard Petty's in like, He's driving to Victory Lane. He's got his whole family on on the car. Kyle's sitting on the car while it's driving, and uh, and uh, the camera just keeps cutting back and forth. If you ever watch it, there's this whole fight going on, but the camera just keeps wanting to show Richard Petty, and then it keeps cutting back, and you just see like uh, these, these snippets of of fights. It's really cool. And so 
I mean, that's like one of the most notorious moments. And that's, that's really like the down and dirty racing that, that, that exists. And, and that's just fucking awesome. I, I love that. And it's, and it's trying to get those moments. There's, there's so many drivers out there that I can't stand looking at you, Bush boys can't stand those dudes. And I don't ever want them to be hurt, <laughs> but man, I fucking love it when they get taken out. I'm just like, yeah, eat a dick. And so, um, there's a lot of them. There's, there's so many assholes in NASCAR right now that it's, uh, it's kind of a field day when there's a wreck because you're like someone that you can't stand is going to be in in one of those wrecks. Oh yeah. As long as they walk away, it's fine. Of course, you don't want anybody to get hurt. But then, like uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon. You know, Dale, Dale Earnhardt's like the intimidate intimidator. He wrecks everybody, gets behind them, makes them nervous, kind of bumps them in the back, and then they spin out. And then here, Jeff Gordon was this young kid who comes in and just starts winning every fucking race. And like, who is this asshole with the mustache <laughs> that just came in and just starts beating everybody? And so there was all these old school you know, moonshining kind of NASCAR drivers that are just getting shown up by this punk kid. And, you know, he goes on to win a you know, million races and, and he's like the dominant driver in the nineties. And uh, that was really cool. All these old timers like, what the fuck, man? And so, I mean, those are some of my favorite standouts I, in basketball. When I was a kid, it was, it was uh Lakers and Celtics. That was oh, a yeah. really big rivalry. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a fun one would be like, um, uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. That was kind of cool too when I was a kid. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Sorry to yeah. go down memory lane for so long. No, that's no, that's, that's great. Fun I mean, in, in compounding on that, so Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird too. Even though it wasn't necessarily like a rivalry, it, it's it's it was a friendly rivalry. Like you, they just kept going back and forth. You're saying like Lakers and Celtics. Um, with the Michael Jordan one too, when him and when he was playing in, you know, in the nineties against like the Detroit Pistons, it was always Isaiah Thomas and him. Right. And they like to this day, even on that, uh, that documentary that came out last year to this day, he doesn't really like Isaiah Thomas. And, right. and it's, it's just like, God damn, what did he do? I mean, the, you know, the, the, the Detroit Pistons were the bad boys, right? Like they were aggressive. They would foul, they would do whatever. And, um, it was uh, pretty cool. But then, you know, switch to baseball. You have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, who oh, yeah. their rivalry was friendly. Oh, Sammy uh, Sosa beats your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sammy Sosa beats your ass. Uh, but, you know, it, th- that was so important for baseball because chicks dig the long ball, as the slogan says, right? Sure. And I mean, that really, do you want to see us hit dingers? That really helped. Uh, Mike Piazza versus Roger Clemens. Uh, they were both on the New York teams. Piazza for the Mets, Clemens for the Yankees. Clemens beamed uh, Piazza in the head. And then it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't on purpose, but it was like, oh, geez, whatever, right? And then another uh, Subway series th- that same year, Piazza's bat broke and it flew at Clemens and Clemens picked it up and chucked it at him. I don't know if you remember that or not, nah. but... If I'm Roger Clemens, I'm not trying to chase down Mike Piazza. The guy is built like a brick shit house. Like <laughs> he's a giant. Yeah. What do you think you're gonna do? He's gonna freaking destroy you, man. He's with his formaggio. So yeah, oh, um, I know. Yeah, and then, was, I mean, that's that's so crazy. Like, I mean, <sighs> baseball was always tricky for me because I didn't actually like baseball until I got older. So when I was like, when I was a kid, it was all about uh, racing and basketball, and so I it wasn't until I was in my my late twenties that I really got an interest in baseball. Yeah. I I've been a baseball fan since I was a kid. Um, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite sport. 
I get, you know, how people can find it boring at times, but for me, it is, it's just, it's beautiful. I absolutely love baseball and it's, it's the rivalries like that because it's a pitcher versus a batter for the majority of the game, right? You know, that's, you watch that and and that is, is, is the most of the action you're going to see, but to see a, a phenomenal pitcher like Roger Clemens and a hall of famer, like Mike Piazza, one of the best catchers of all time, just go at it is pretty cool. So um, and then finally, yeah, uh, locally, we had a really good one, too, between the Seahawks and the 49ers, uh, Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick. They were drafted at the same time. Um, I think actually Kaepernick was a year before. No, I think it was it was the same year, but they were toted similar play styles and both young up and coming new generation generational talents. And we had some very, very good games against the Niners that those years. It was Pete Carroll versus John Harbaugh. But uh, that was really great before the NFL fucked up and blackballed Kaepernick because they're idiots. But right. Yeah. And then they go on to release statements. Yeah. Yes, but <laughs> yes, but we stand for social justice, except we won't take a knee or you have to do it in the locker room. Like, fuck yeah. off, NFL. It's OK <laughs> if you beat the shit out of a lady in the elevator uh, and throw her downstairs or yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. Every, everyone deserves a second chance. God, I hate the NFL I know, so me much. Too. It really pisses me off. So. Well, um, did you have a favorite character in this movie? Did you find yourself rooting for Lauda or for Hunt? Oh, man. I, I mean, I love them both. I think they're so great. But uh, I think Lauda is more my my cup of tea when it comes to racing. Like, I love just the best drivers, man. They are just an absolute treat to watch. Whereas Hunt is really good. He's just so loosey-goosey that I feel, I feel like if he finished 20th or he finished first, He's got the same reaction, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas Lauda is more like, <laughs> like I'm going to win this race. And if I can't win this race, then that's, that's I must have done something wrong kind of thing. He doesn't, you know, that's just who he was. And so it's really cool. But um, so I was probably more of a rooting for louder, louder during the, um, the movie per se. Yeah. I just and like it, his style. I like how cool and calculated he is. Well, and Lauda brought up that point, you know, where he said, he if he was good if he was great at anything else he would do that but he's great at driving and i really enjoyed that because he wasn't cocky in the sense of you know oh i'm a natural born driver he's like i worked really hard i got to this point um and i know how to drive whereas hunt was just like oh i'm the best blah blah blah. i'm gonna go do x y and z and living his life to the fullest and lauda just had a stick up his butt the entire time or so it seemed so I, I enjoyed um, his character, but I don't know if I could necessarily root for one or the other because they both had times when I couldn't stand them like they were just complete assholes. But I think if I had to pick, it would probably allow it also. Yeah, I know he's great. Yeah, I agree. So to emphasize the rivalry, we do see that brilliant scene where Nikki tells the race officials about Hunt's barely too wide car. This car got a fat ass. Uh, even though this is technically illegal, was it trivial of Nikki to report it? Or are you a rules are the rules type of guy? Oh, man. So <laughs> cheating is just a thing in racing. And it's only cheating if you get caught. But I, <laughs> I fucking guarantee you every car out there is doing something they're not supposed to. That's that's their goal. Is they're pushing the envelope. They're trying not to get caught. And they have... Uh, scales and 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 weights and measures and all kinds of crazy things to make sure that people aren't cheating but you would be amazed at how creative the the engineers and the crew chief gets to to cheat and it's usually not on the driver it's usually on the crew chief uh they're sort of the 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 president of the team <laughs> as it were <laughs> yeah. and uh and it, the blame will fall on them and uh 
Fuck yeah, man. I I I think that it's it's great that he he calls him out like, hey, why don't you go measure that shit? Because I wouldn't be surprised if his car was like that too. <laughs> to oh, me, absolutely. Truth be told, they're all cheating, but it's only cheating if you get caught. Exactly. Like, legitimately, that's that's how racing is, man. You gotta get that edge. The cars are so equal that you have to find creative ways to set yourself apart. Aside from having a talented driver, at the end of the day, whether there's 10 cars on that field or 30 cars, they are all very, very talented. They had to be talented to get on the field, right? And uh, they're all amazing on any given Sunday. Any one of them could win. And so they have to be creative. So I, I think it's kind of funny. I, I wouldn't be mad at Nikki if he if he did that <laughs> to me. I'd be like, oh, you son of a bitch. I wouldn't be mad. I would just be like, fuck, that sucks. <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm all for it. I know they all cheat. So uh, it, it is kind of funny. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's like you bring up a good point. Everybody cheats because you're right. Everyone's looking for that competitive advantage. The Tom Brady's deflated balls. You know, I mean, they were using that for probably so long. Uh, the New England Patriots, they were probably keeping those balls underinflated for quite a while. And it's just someone wised up and, and found out because you I can guarantee that every other team in the NFL was like, oh shit, maybe we should start pumping our balls up more now. <laughs> the jig is up. The jig is up, you know? And then uh, most recently too, with the Astros, how they were using the trash cans to um, alert the batters of off-speed pitches and uh, and fastballs, they were sign-stealing essentially. Now, they were idiots because it was blatantly obvious that they were cheating, but, and I and trust me, I don't like the Astros, but I'm not going to blame them necessarily because I think that every other team is doing something like this. But they're like, dude, at least be sly about it if you're going to cheat. I mean, don't be as obvious to bring a, to bang a fucking trash can where you can hear everything like baseball, the quietest sport in the world other than golf. But it's just like right. it's, it's hold like, up signs. In yeah, golf. <laughs> I, I know it's crazy. It's so dumb. But there's yeah, there, there's cheating in every sport. and. I think it was slightly trivial that he did because you could tell he was scared and credit to Daniel Brule. He, he definitely portrayed himself as being like, "Uh Oh, this, uh, this James hunt, he's a real, he's a real piece there. So he's, uh, he's creeping on me. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was pretty trivial. And, and like, that's obviously why it got overturned by that, the commission or the committee or whatever. Right. So the best thing about sports films is, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me try that again. The best thing about sports films like this are that I get to learn about a historical event that I am not familiar with. I'm not a motorsport guy. The only uh, racing I know is rubbing. Rubbing is racing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He didn't bump it in, nudge you, Or he didn't slam into it and bump it in, nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing, son, is racing. There you go. After watching San Francisco Rush, I immediately went on to YouTube and started to look into the history of their rival rivalry and then started watching cool clips from Formula One racing in general. And they're pretty cool. It is very fast and very scary. And those hairpin turns terrify the crap out of me. Are you a fan of Formula One racing? And we already answered that earlier. Um, but are there any other films that have done this to you? You know, where you kind of went in cold turkey and then you're like, I am a fan now of competitive ping pong or something. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, yes, I do love Formula One racing. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is by far my favorite driver. Uh, the dude's a fucking beast. And, you know, for so many years, it was joked that, you know, you had to start in the pole position if you wanted to win the race. And, and while you can argue that Hamilton does often start in the front, I mean, he has like fucking 99 pole positions, but, uh, he can start 
inside the top 10 and still pass everyone to get to the front because he's just a badass. Wow. And I love watching him race. And he's a vegan who actually owns a vegan restaurant. So nice. Yay. And he's he's tied with uh, Michael Schumacher for the most championships, which is seven. And um, yeah, not, jo- not Joel Schumacher, the creator of Batman. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and he also did falling down, which I really want to do. But this this not, not streaming. streaming. Anyway. I know I've been I look all the time, Justin, because I actually really want to watch that movie. And I check yeah. like daily. I have reminders to let me check daily. So <laughs> I know <laughs> it's like, why can't I watch this movie? Um, but I mean, I think that whenever I watch like a baseball movie, I'm always like hardcore baseball afterwards. Uh, like Moneyball, it's like, yeah, I want to go join a fucking little league team and beat the <laughs> shit out of a bunch of eight year olds in, in baseball. And, um, you know, just kind of get on base. That's all I got to do is get on base. Um, but, and, and like hockey, anytime I watch a hockey, a hockey movie, all of a sudden I just become this, this fucking hockey expert and I know everything about hockey and it's so funny. Uh, which is couldn't be further from the truth, but I feel that way after watching a movie. Like, I just watched Miracle. I know everything about hockey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a lick about hockey other than what I've learned from, like, the Mighty Ducks. Right. Um, Flying V, Triple Deke. Let's make, yeah. a, make him out of his pads. But I know Stephen K. Janes is a big hockey fan, and I bet I could just throw terms out there. Yeah, like, like oh, he deked him good on the center, center ice there, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's probably going to be a face-off with a cross-check cross boards but i use like you said pole position earlier and i would have thought that was a stripper term but instead (laughs) i i know that because of this movie so i i love watching movies like this to learn certain terms like that because as many liberties as as they take you know i understand that it's a movie but i still learn things from it and there are truths in it so that was really cool to see because i don't know a single thing about formula one racing um right so the pole position was really interesting and it makes it totally makes sense it goes to what the fastest lap yeah so they have a qualifying day and so all the cars go out there the one car at a time and they do the race and uh, they do the circuit and then they start the party the the starting positions are based off the fastest times of those qualifiers so when you post the fastest time you get to start first okay and so everyone else is behind you and they go kind of go in that order so uh wouldn't it be i mean wouldn't it make more sense to have the fastest person behind because I then mean, they could catch maybe, up but then, then it's safety issues because if you got a car that's way faster than the slowest car then they're just gonna be in the way and they're gonna cause a wreck so it's up to you to find speed out there man find some speed the left lane but, is for passing <laughs> yeah oh man and you don't want to block man if you block you're gonna get taken out i mean you're, there's there's so it's so intense man especially when you're going that fast and the tires touch and it's a problem now, that's one of the cool things about at least at the time uh, stock car racing, you know, you could beat and bang the shit out of each other and it wouldn't be so bad, but now they're going so fast that it's dangerous. If a car gets turned around, they could end up going airborne because all the way the engines on the front. So then their car lifts up in the back and it just becomes a kite and it just takes off. Yeah. And they have, they have flaps to slow them down, but I mean, there isn't much of a difference between 200 miles an hour and 180 miles an hour. <laughs> <You're> just <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm I'll see you later. Yeah. There's been times when the car in first place went up in the air and then landed on the car in sixth place because they, you know, went that high and they're going that fast. It's pretty nuts, dude. But I mean, uh, we were talking about biopics the other day and I, I, I'm kind of back and forth on them. A lot of times I like it when it's more of a, of a fictional story set in like a historical time. You know, I think those can be a lot of fun, but 
just thinking about different biopics with this question, you know, like I really like like some a couple of music ones like La Bamba. I really enjoy that one. The Runaways, Straight Outta Compton's probably my favorite out of out of a musical biopic, as it mm-hmm. were. Um, I do like things like Donnie Brasco or or even Schindler's List. You know, I think that's that is important. I wish that there was a time when I could have watched that in school as opposed to watching it on my own time. I feel oh, like yeah. that's something that classes should be taught. You know, like, hey, this this is humanity at its worst and you need to be prepared for that sort of thing. Um, you know, then there's like things like the social network, which we talk about all the time. It's a really good movie. We did Aaron Brockovich, which is also an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Ford V Ferrari brought that up. Um, Highlander. It's a great documentary, um, but not really. It's kind yeah. of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't laughing, but uh, oh, I'm sorry. And then like, and like JFK, uh, I think that's a fun one too, just because, I mentioned that one earlier and there's so many just conspiracy theories out there and there's so much information, which is all available to you. You know, you can do your homework or you can just watch a three hour movie that does all the homework for you. And then you can make up your own mind, whether it's true or not. Spark notes version. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Biopics are are, are really interesting as long as it's true. And I think that's why in this age of YouTube, I like to go and break it down afterwards and be like what was true what wasn't sort of thing right so C- cinefix does this really great video series like what's the difference between like the book and the movie and uh, especially if it's like a real life book you know so i enjoy those a lot but um justin after nikki's horrific crash james seemed to win his following races with much more ease due to the absence of lauda's challenge despite this james's victory comes down to the final race in japan where he gets third and narrowly wins while nikki excludes himself from that race with that being said do you think james hunt's 1976 world championship was cheapened due to the lack of true competition or a level playing field Kind of like any major sports championship in the abbreviated 2020 season of last year, would Hunt's victory require an asterisk next to his name? Absolutely not. That is a legitimate championship win. It is up to Nicky Lauda if he wants to compete, and he chose to retire his race car. It wasn't because of some weird technicality. He decided that it was not safe for him to race, and so he parked his car. Uh, a DNF is a DNF. He started the race. He was willing to start the race and he decided to not race. That's that's on him. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, it is up to James to finish at least third, which is not yeah. easy to do. Right. Yeah. You're not just necessarily racing other drivers. You're racing the track and there's so much that can go wrong. You need to take care of your car. You need to take care of your body. You need to be able to to make it to the end of the race. And and other drivers are just another factor in the race that has it's not necessarily what's going to dictate how your day ends it's up to you to be able to to keep your car clean keep your nose down and and get to the finish line and even you know his broken gear shift and his hand is just bleeding right jesus christ he's like when did that break 10 laps ago i'm like oh my god (laughs) yeah exactly i mean there, there are times when when drivers have to finish the race when their power steering's out and trying to turn a car, it's hard to do when you don't have power steering. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot that can go wrong. So, yeah, it's true he is competing against other drivers. Uh, but I think a sizable portion of the race is just competing with yourself and mm-hmm. the, the, your own car and the racetrack. Yeah. It's like in Mario Kart when you have to race the ghost mode of yourself. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I do not believe there should be an asterisk next to his name. Yeah. I mean... 
the long and short of it is he did those things. He drove. It's not like he was just like, all right, sweet. Winner by default. He actually drove those laps. Like you're saying, it is not an easy feat to get third out of what, 30? You said 30 drivers? Yeah. So that is hard to do. And and he still busted his ass. He still won in Spain. Um, he won those other uh, races when you had a Mario Andretti who was who was climbing up his backside and then Carl Rigatoni or whatever his name is. Right. right. That's another rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andretti and uh, and Foyt, AJ Foyt and, and Mario Andretti. These two drivers were always in each other's business, man. And they were just couldn't get away from each other, whether it be in uh, like IndyCar racing or stock car racing or, or Formula One racing. They were just always in each other's business. It's crazy the <laughs> amount of rivalry that existed over decades. And now they all have kids and grandkids that are racing. It is like Hatfields and McCoys with these two. <laughs> there you go. Got to find more money. But... <laughs> yeah, to Haiti. Yeah. One well, more job. <laughs> one more. But I agree. It wasn't uh, it was not cheapened. I would I would say the only thing about like the Dodgers winning last year is the Dodgers were definitely the best team in baseball last year. But playing, you know, like 62 games as opposed to 162 games is a lot different. You do have a lot healthier uh, pitching staff and players left and right. But it doesn't matter because it was equal playing fields for everyone. It wasn't you can't be like, well, you know, we didn't have a rotation. It's like it doesn't matter, man. You guys still you can argue till the cows come home, but the best team won a championship that year and it shouldn't be cheapened at all. So that's just my opinion. But sure, that's fair. Yeah. So and then, Justin, you know, we really love that redheaded Ron Howard so much. Andrew Griffith show. We love him so much. Uh, This is our second Ron Howard movie we have reviewed. It's only two, I guess. We don't love them that much. <laughs> what but else did we do? Oh, Willow, uh, right? Yeah. You are great. <laughs> yeah. Let me see you what we see. But <laughs> but it's definitely not our first one, first Ron Howard movie we've seen. What are your thoughts on Mr. Howard? Do you enjoy his work and do you have any favorites of his? Yeah, I like Ron Howard. I think he's a good storyteller. I think most recently would be Solo. That was a hard movie for me to get behind and that was kind of one that was sort of a catalyst for me wanting to even do this podcast was because mm-hmm. I didn't really like it when I first saw it. And then after talking to you about it, I was like, yeah, I guess it was pretty good. I yeah. enjoyed it. I like so the shit out of Solo. It was, yeah, it was cool. Just, it was a fun time. Talking it out, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, just going through the decades, a couple of uh, Gung Ho and Willow and Parenthood, I think are pretty good. Uh, Apollo 11 and Backdraft, pretty good. And uh, Beautiful Mind and Cinderella Man. I, I enjoy those as well. So, uh, and Frost Nixon was good. Um, we mentioned that one earlier. I've only seen it once, but I remember liking it when I when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got, of course, the the Langdon movies. What are they called? Um, oh, da Vinci, da Vinci Code. Code and Angels yeah. and Demons. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the third one was, um, that, that one was nuts. Where there's like people starving and they need clean water. That one's like so real. Right yeah, <laughs> I forgot what that's called. Inferno, maybe? Yes, Dante, or not Dante's Inferno. Yeah, it's just called Inferno, I think. Yeah, I saw that in the hospital when I had, uh, when I had uh, pancreatitis. Jesus. And it was, uh, <laughs> I was watching it, I was like, fuck, this movie's intense. Yeah. But uh, I think, I don't. I didn't really like Da Vinci Code all that much, but um, I enjoyed the other two. I liked the Da Vinci Code book, but yeah, the movie was a little underwhelming, because that's definitely one of those ones that, if you already know what's going to happen, 
it becomes underwhelming. And <laughs> right, so who done it? And yeah. if you already read the book, and it's like, <laughs> all right, you could have told me a while ago that Gandalf was the fucking bad guy. Yeah, Simpsons did it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I needed my little orphan Annie decoder ring to find out I should drink my fucking Ovaltine. <laughs> I got the Dakota ring in the Cracker Jack box. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wasn't into it at all. I, I I saw that in the theater and I was like, this movie sucks. But yeah. I, I enjoyed the second one. Second one had Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, oh, yes. He went to like Pope school and then he yes. got in a helicopter. Yes, you are right. It up. Yeah. And uh, Apollo 13 was excellent. It was it, Apollo 13, right? Yes, that's right. Um, that was a really good one. I enjoyed the shit out of that movie. A Beautiful Mind was good. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I did like Paul Bettany in that movie a lot too. Backdraft was cool and it had one of the cooler universal rides because it was real fire and it terrified me when I was a kid. It wasn't even a ride. It was just like a, a room that gets really hot. So <laughs> yeah. you watched the video first with Scott Glenn and he's like, oh man, there's this scene right here where, where we lit me on fire and and I had to call cut because it just got too hot. Yeah. <laughs> but then your boy, Kurt Russell, is like, remember, smoke, deta- smoke detectors add seconds and seconds save lives or something yeah. like that. And I'm like, you, you tell him, Snake. For- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> know. <laughs> was great. He's all running it with no mask on. He's like, I got this axe. I'm going to put out fires, man. Yeah. <laughs> with my <Jeez>. axe. <laughs> then Billy Baldwin comes in and saves the day. So. But I, I enjoyed that. And then you said Gung Ho, and I I absolutely love Gung Ho. Michael Keaton, that movie's yeah. awesome. I, I just remember bits and pieces when I was a kid, and I rewatched it a couple of years ago, and I'm like, this is so fucking cool. Just the car factory. It's like, why why am I excited about this movie? It's funny. When he like cleans the windshield that doesn't exist. That's yeah. It's <laughs> pretty good. He's like, oh, this is fun. I, lo- so I love Michael Keaton. I think he's such an <laughs> underrated comedic actor. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I love him and the other guys. Boys, don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah. <laughs> you better creep. Creep. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, Um, that's all I got. What's your letter grade for Rush? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, give, it a, I give it a B plus. I enjoy the show of this movie. Uh, me, personally, I probably would prefer just a little bit more racing. Uh, that's just me. Mm-hmm. But it was... I, I really like their relationship, and and I like how there's no bad guy in this movie. You know, when you're watching Ford v Ferrari, uh, fucking Josh Lucas is like an asshole in that movie, and uh, and I hate him. And he's like uh, Leo BB or something like that. I forget Leo his gets. name, but he's in, <laughs> yeah, he's just all up in their business, and I hate him. I can't stand him in that movie. Yeah. And this movie doesn't have a villain. You know, there's no there's no character that that you hate. And and Nikki is is peculiar, but you don't hate him for it. You're just like, man, this guy's a real hard ass. But that's all mm-hmm. there is to it. You know, he's not he's not an unlikable character. He's great. And so that's one thing that I really do like about it is is there was no bad guy in this movie. It was just uh, all about relationships and and getting to the finish line. Yeah, um, I think that here I'm going to find the quote, actually. So at the end of the movie, when Nikki and James are in the airport hangar and he is explaining to James, they hadn't seen each other in a while. And he's like, you know, I, when I was on my deathbed, the doctor came in after I was started watching all your races and I was just furious. I was mad at you. And the doctor was like, a wise man can learn more from his enemies than a fool from his friends. And I think that was so important because despite their rivalry, he still respected the shit and he still envied the shit out of James Hunt. And I'm sure it was mutual because they both bettered each other. And rivalries, that's why rivalries are so awesome is because each person is like, well, shit, Justin ate 12 
vegan hot dogs, I have to eat 13 vegan hot dogs or something like, you know, and, and so it's, it's always that one-upsmanship, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> right. It can, you can go on to do great stuff with it. So I, I really enjoy that quote a lot. And I really enjoyed that moment from, from Nikki. And then uh, my ranking, I give this an A minus because I actually really liked it and uh, yeah, I no, knew nothing great. about it. I'm not a, a motorhead or whatever you say, like you are. So I, I think this and Ford v. Ferrari were, were really, really fun to watch. And it was edge of the seat excitement. Yeah. Um, is it fair to compare the two? And do you like one better than the other? Probably Ford v. Ferrari a little bit better uh, because I think... I was more invested into the characters because they had these vulnerabilities where like, uh, what was his name? Ken miles. Ken miles. He, yeah, where he was working on the car and stuff. Nikki just kind of was the driver. He knew about the car, but Ken miles was really there. And Shelby was like, no, I'm going to fight for him to, to race this. Cause you, you need Ken miles. And when he breaks that, that track record, like that one lap record, I'm just like, Oh my God, I was so happy. But, they did a fantastic job with camera work on both um, in Japan, in rush at the final, when they show all the rain coming down on the, the visors, I'm like, Nope, I'm out, dude. There's no way I would be driving in that. You can't see shit. No. And you're <laughs> and, going 150 miles an hour. Fuck that yep, dude. Nope. Nope. Absolutely. And nope. so, com. yeah, I think they did a really good job. The only thing about rush that kind of bugged me was uh, their cuts were so fast and it kind of got annoying. I mean, I know a movie's called Rush, but you should be able to show maybe longer shots of, of of cars going around the corner and stuff. But there just were a lot of cuts, a lot of a lot of interesting camera uh, angles and usage in this film. But yeah, I'd give the edge to Ford v Ferrari. So, but yeah, is that it? Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. Cool. I, um, oh, you know what? Real quick. Sure. Uh, do I have it anywhere? There was um, this quote on. Uh, when uh, Michael Jordan, when Larry Bird announced his retirement, thank goodness, I'm glad I'm tired of seeing your face. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you ruined a lot of my successful games against the Boston Celtics. You and, did. Uh, it's kind of funny. Yeah, maybe did. I mean, they were they were funny. only they only played together for like maybe eight seasons or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of as one's on its way out and the other one's blossoming. I I always like it when when there's two uh, age groups when when a sort of a passing of the torch kind of thing. I always do mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's really fun to watch. So, yeah. So, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Had a lot of fun today. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Please, 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 also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Uh, really good last episode they talked a little Mortal Kombat and I know that Justin absolutely loved it it's his favorite movie of all time he already pre-ordered it on 4k digital blu-ray disc uh, absolutely loved it and he thinks that Cole Young was the greatest character of all time so. <laughs> it's true <laughs> no lies <laughs> detected there was no <laughs> lie in Pippin's eye there you go he's better than Smoke and Cyrax combined as well as don't forget about the pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James, where he's talking about video games and the lot. Not Stephen, not Justin, you. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.